0: Welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening, and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. We've been looking over the last, well, over the last few times that I've preached, we've been looking at the life of Moses, and we've been looking at some of the things that we've been learning. We've looked at. This, uh, th- this character who grew up believing that he was somebody special, that he was the man with the plan, that he was the man with the skills and what was necessary to lead his people out of Egypt. But we discovered, as he discovered, that in actual fact Moses didn't have what it took, did he? And, uh, and his plan came crashing down. Um, and uh, and he became content with, he fled to the desert, and he became content with that. And, and so he lived for 40 years out in the desert. He lived for 40 years being content with being a nobody. And then God appears to him, and, and last week we looked at this encounter that Moses had, a very famous encounter that Moses had with God, uh, in the form of a, like in, in, a, in a bush that was on fire that was, looked like it was burning but wasn't being burned up and God kind of reawakened, reaffirmed this call. God said, Moses, even though you've given up on yourself, even though you've spent 40 years thinking that your time is done and it's finished and it's over, you're still my guy. You're still the man that I've chosen. And we looked at this, this idea that Moses... Uh, I guess in some ways is similar to us in that God still chooses to work in people who have failed, people who've given up, people who've been discouraged and people who feel like they don't have what it takes. And that's a great encouragement for us, isn't it? Because I think there's been, probably most of us have had times in our life where we felt like we didn't have what it takes to do anything important or significant or worthwhile or fruitful for the Kingdom of God and for for our Saviour Jesus. Now today... Last week we kind of, we talked about this this encounter and we talked about some some things and about how the call of God sometimes, you know, sometimes God comes and puts his finger on things and calls us to things and challenges us to do things just kind of out of the blue. It kind of doesn't always come with our, our expectations. Sometimes it's just almost seems random. Of course, it's not random to God but it seems like it was an ordinary day, it was an ordinary place and he was an ordinary guy. And we didn't quite get to really kind of how Moses responded, did we? Uh, We're going to look at a little bit of that today. We're going to look at, I want to talk today about butts because Moses had some butts, some really big butts. The, The interesting thing is as we look at these we discover that they're also some of your butts and my butts. And this is so, so we're going to talk about butts a lot today. And I'm going to say the word butts a lot today. So hopefully you can refrain from giggling when I say the word butts. All right. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read from, we're going to pick up from a little bit of where we left off. Last week, we read the first 10 verses of Exodus 3. We're going to look at that again. We're going to read from verse 10 in Exodus 3. So Exodus 3 from verse 10, so God says, now go, he's talking to Moses and he says, now go for I'm sending you to Pharaoh, you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you and this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Now I wonder at this point um, if Moses has kind of heard God correctly. Moses has just heard God talking about how he, God has heard the suffering of his people, he's heard the cry, he's seen the oppression that Egypt has put on them, and he says, I've come down and I'm going to rescue my people. But now here's, really the words that Moses hears is this this in verse 10, isn't it? He says, I'm sending you, you must lead my people out of Egypt. And I wonder if at that point, Moses, you know, that that's all, it's bringing up all of that stuff again, isn't it? It's bringing up all of the insecurities. He hasn't heard God say, I'm going to rescue my people. All he's heard God say is, I'm sending you, you now you go and and lead the people. And it must have been racing through his mind thinking, God, we've already been down this track. We've already done this, I've tried, been there, done it, failed miserably, got the t-shirt, you know, can we try something else now, please? Um, He's absolutely convinced that he's made such a mess of this the first time around, that there is absolutely no way that he can be of any use to God, particularly in this area of delivering the people of Israel, and when he hears God saying, go, I'm sending you, there's kind of this, this freak out, isn't there? This, you know, who am I? You know, who, who am I to appear before? This, it's, it's all of this insecurity that kind of comes out. And, and it's almost like what he hears God saying is, that it's all up to you, Moses, it's all on your shoulders, you've got to do it, you've got to do it all. But that's not what God said, is it? That's that voice of, uh, of Moses' fear that's talking. That's his old wounds talking. That's his past failure talking. And so he responds, yeah, God, but I'm a nobody. Yeah, but I can't do anything. Yeah, but I've already failed at this job. And what does God say? God says, yes, you're a nobody, but it's okay because I'm with you. I'm going to show you what I can do in a nobody who is willing to be obedient. I'm going to show you what I can do in the life of a nobody who is willing to be my servant, who is willing to be faithful, who is willing to follow because this is my show and this is my power on display and it's my job to rescue the people. It's only your job to go where I tell you to go and say what I tell you to say. It's pretty simple really, isn't it? But Moses is still struggling to get his head around all of this stuff. He's still full of insecurity, he's still full of inferiority that's been festering for 40 years in his life. How many of you know that a way of thinking that you've held for 40 years does not change easily? (laughs) Things that we believe, things that we've done, habits, practices, ways that we've lived for a long period of time. Some of you haven't been around long enough to have discovered what it's like to have done something for 40 years yet, that's okay, some of you have. But Moses is wrestling with this and so it's, it's almost like he feels like he's got to uh, remind God of the reasons why he's the wrong choice, isn't it? It's almost like he's, you know, he's thinking, oh, maybe God's forgotten how badly I messed it up the first time I... You know, maybe there are some things that I need to remind you of. So, what we read is Moses trying to explain why all of this is going to be, uh, why, why all of this would just be a big mistake. The first year, but is, yeah, but I'm a nobody. So, that was his first but. All right, if you want to jot that down if you're taking notes this morning. The second year, but is, yeah, but I don't have all the answers. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 as we read on it says but Moses protested if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you they will ask me what's his name then what should I tell them How many of you have been in a situation and you just felt kind of that prompt, you felt like you should start a conversation or you should say something or you should do something or you should talk to someone about what it means to be a Christian or to follow God but there was this little voice in the back of your head that said, yeah, but what if they ask you a difficult question? You don't have all the answers. How many of us have kind of avoided conversations because we were worried about you know, whether one of those questions would come up. You know, there's a lot of them, isn't there? You know, how did the dinosaurs fit on the ark? Why do good things happen to bad people? Did God create the devil? How could a loving God send people to hell for all eternity? The, the, people have all kinds of questions and some of them are tricky questions, aren't they? How can God be three and one at the same time? It makes no sense, does it? And and so we kind of get at, at times, like Moses, he's like, well, if I do it and they ask me a question and I don't know the answer, what's, what's the real issue here? I'm going to look stupid. And sometimes that's the, the real issue at the heart of I don't have all the answers is I'm going to look foolish, isn't it? What is it that makes us feel like we're supposed to know all the answers? What is it that makes us believe that anybody's even capable of knowing all the answers? Does God need us to defend Him? He doesn't really, does He? The short answer is that sometimes the things that go through our mind, I think, is, you know, we don't want people to think we're stupid. We don't want people to think that we believe this thing that we don't really understand and that makes us, you know, stupid sheep or, you know, whatever the case might be. We don't want people to think that we've, you know, fallen for a religious scam or, you know, part of some sort of cult because we weren't smart enough to see the truth. We don't want people to think that, you know, we're we're kind of weak and that we need religion as some sort of crutch. That's one of the kind of the things sometimes that you hear, isn't it? To help us cope with all the things that we don't understand about the world because, you know, we're not kind of emotionally stable enough to deal with What they see as being the reality of of life on earth. Now, unfortunately, some people are going to kind of think those things anyway, aren't they? Unfortunately, some people probably already think those things about some of you. (laughs) There's not always a lot that we can do to stop people from thinking some of those things but you know what, it's okay not to know everything. It's okay not to have all the answers. The, the, the reality is that intelligent people will generally not think less of you for admitting that you don't know every answer. Because the reality is that intelligent people understand that nobody knows all the answers. None of us... Know everything, even about the world that we live in, let alone other dimensions and and, and spiritual realities and and all that kind of stuff. And so, Moses here, it's like he's saying, You know, if I don't have the answers, I'm going to look foolish. And then, you know, and and, and then what? You know, that. and, And here's God's response God says, He says, You may not have all the answers, but you have all of me. You don't have to know all the answers. It's okay sometimes to say, do you know what? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't understand that fully. But God says, you don't have to have all the answers because you have all of me. God replied to Moses in Exodus. He said, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. I was reading a little bit, this was where I was reading a little bit about the name of God. I was reading on a website called uh, jewishvirtuallibrary.org and it says this about Uh, God's name. It says, In Jewish thought, a name is not merely an arbitrary designation, a random combination of sounds. The name conveys the nature and essence of the thing named. It represents the history and the reputation of the being named. And in this passage of Scripture, it it goes on to say, Moses is not asking, what should I call you? Rather, he is asking, who are you, what are you like, what have you done? That is clear from God's response. God replies that he is eternal, that he is the God of our ancestors, that he has seen our affliction and will redeem us from bondage. When Moses says, who are you? God says, I'm eternal, I'm the God of your ancestors, and I'm the God who has seen your affliction and wants to rescue you. And God still says that to us today, doesn't He? Okay, next but. Yeah, but what if they don't respect me? Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses protested again and says, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Who's ever thought... There's, a, there's no point in talking about Jesus with this person because they probably won't believe me anyway. Okay, yeah, a few of you have. Yeah, it, it's easy to kind of think that way, isn't it? And he says, again, he's saying, you know, he, he says, what if they don't believe me? But I think what's kind of a little bit at the heart of this one is, you know, what if they don't respect me? What if I come and I say this? And it, because remember what happened the first time, uh, Moses tried to lead the people of Israel out of slavery. Remember when he killed that Egyptian and he thought that that would earn him the respect of the Israelites. He thought, yes, this is going to show them that I'm on their side. This is going to show them that I'm the man that God has chosen to lead the people. But what did they say? They sneered at him, they scoffed at him. They said, what, are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian guy? There was no respect for Moses that came out of him doing things his way. And so this is one of the things that Moses, is. it's one of his excuses, it's one of his fears that he throws up. What if, what if they just laugh at me? What if they they mock me? What if they say, oh, you're just, you're just a nobody from the desert. Why should we listen to you? Suddenly he's having these flashbacks. Suddenly he's... Remembering and, and thinking, you know, you can imagine the thoughts going through his mind, can't you? If they didn't respect me as a member of the royal household of Egypt, why, are they gonna, why, why on earth would they respect me as a nobody shepherd that smells like sheep from out in the middle of the desert? At least out here in the desert, nobody's laughing at me. At least out here in the desert, nobody's mocking me or giving me a hard time. At least out here in the desert, nobody's making sarcastic comments. Now, it's interesting to note that Moses has just made it really clear that his listening skills need some improvement. When we talk about God's response to this question, it's actually in two parts. One part of God's response to this this but, Is actually given before he even says the but. Uh, Back in verse 16, when God is kind of giving them, I haven't put it up on here, but he says, go and call together all the elders of Israel and tell them that I've heard their affliction and that I'm coming to rescue them. And in verse 18, God God says explicitly, uh, the elders of Israel will accept your message. God has already told Moses that the people will listen to him and will believe him and then Moses comes back with, yeah, but what if they don't believe me? And you can imagine God's going like, Moses, I just explained this. How many times do I have to say? But it's like Moses is so worried about the what-ifs that he doesn't seem to hear God declaring what will happen. Because you know what? Fear makes us deaf to the promises of God. Have you ever noticed that? When we're consumed by the what if, so when we're paralyzed by that what if kind of line of thinking, we forget what God has declared. We forget God's promises. We forget that God has promised to be with us and give us words to say and guide us and show us the things by His Spirit. How many of us at times, when God has been prompting and stirring in our heart, have been paralysed by that what-if kind of thinking? I won't ask for a show of hands on that one. (laughs) But there's there's always a what-if if if you want to find one, isn't there? There's always a what-if that we can come up with, isn't there, when we're looking for one. And God is gracious to Moses as he is to us. And God's response is, they'll believe you because you have my power. They'll believe you because I'm going with you and I'm going to do miraculous things so that it will be evident to all of the people that God is with you. God reminds Moses that he won't be alone and he demonstrates exactly what it means uh, to have the power of Almighty God backing you up and he does the thing where he throws his his shepherd staff down on the ground and it turns into a snake and when he grabs it by the tail it turns back into a staff again. That would be pretty scary, I don't like snakes very much, I don't know about you. I'm like, I'm I'm glad it wasn't me because if God had said, you know, grab that snake by the tail and pick it up, I would have said, (laughs) uh-uh. (laughs) <laughs> I'd be backing away faster than you know. Um, you know, and then he, the next thing he says, put your hand inside your cloak and pull it out, and it's all covered in this, you know, horrible, contagious skin disease, leprosy. He says, put it back in and pull it out again, and it's completely clear. This amazing thing, and, and, and God says, if that doesn't work, you know, grab a bowl of water and pour it out, and it'll turn to blood. He kind of gives him these amazing. This is amazing stuff, isn't it? I, I have to wonder, my, my brain kind of does this thing where you have to wonder if he was like, you know, when he's walking back to his, his family and, you know, whether he was trying it out. You know, Stick the hand in, pull it out, stick the hand in, pull it out. Oh, it still works. <laughs> Throw the staff down, ah, snake, pick it up, stick again, woo! <laughs> I don't know, I, I think I would have probably been doing that. Just testing it out, just practicing, make sure I can do it right when, you know, the pressure's really on. So, so now with all of this, with God, you know, Moses, you're the guy, you know, I'll give you the, you know, all this kind of stuff and my power will be with you, you know, you don't have to have all the answers, it's okay, it's my show, surely he's convinced now, right? You know, you, you, would, you would think that would be enough to be pretty convincing, having this kind of miraculous power um, on hand. But we know, we know, he's still got some more butts. He's not finished with his butts, Number four. He says, yeah, but I'm not very good at speaking. I'm not very good at talking about this stuff. Does that sound familiar to any of you this morning? Yeah. Moses pleaded with the Lord, verse 10. Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. You know how it goes, don't you? God, I'd love to have that conversation and share the gospel with that person, but you know I'm just no good at talking about these things. I try to say something and my words get all muddled up and it comes out wrong. And, you know, it sounds so great in my head. And if I could, you know, just get that out, then I'd be a great evangelist. But, you know, it always comes out wrong. I can never remember the right verses. I get things all mixed up. I get flustered. I get nervous. This kind of sounded familiar to anybody else. Yeah. Now, with Moses, we don't actually know exactly. We we know that he was trained and raised up in the, the royal court of Egypt and he would have been trained in speaking and, you know, delivering things to the army. So, you know, some versions say, you know, he has a speech impediment or a stutter or I've heard people talk about that. We don't actually know all the details about that. All we know is that Moses believed that he was unable to speak well. You can imagine the conversation, can't you? God, I've been out here for so long. I can't talk to people anymore. You know, talking to sheep is all I'm really good for these days. (laughs) But how does the Lord respond to this? But Luke, uh, Exodus four, sorry, eleven and twelve. He says, then the Lord asked Moses, "Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see?" Isn't it I, the Lord? Now go, I'll be with you as you speak and instruct you in what to say. Do you know that God is still in the habit of doing that today? It wasn't just for Moses. You know, when when God, when we read in the book of... Um, uh, through, through the New Testament... We read through the book of Acts that God directed people and he helped them to speak and that the Holy Spirit would give them words and the things that they said would actually astonish the people who were listening because of the the wisdom and the power in the words that they spoke. And Jesus had promised his disciples in uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, that they didn't have to worry if they got sent to prison or they had to go to court or they, you know, had to to kind of defend things. He says, you know, when you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. And this is a promise for us, all of us who have the Holy Spirit, as we learn to hear His voice... He guides us. He helps us to know what to say and the right time to say it. Our God is still the God who makes a person's mouth. He is still the one who decides whether a person speaks or doesn't speak. He is still the one who promises to be with us and guide our words with wisdom in the moments that we need it. James talks about wisdom and says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously and graciously. There are moments when we need wisdom in our speech, don't we? But we have that promise of God's Holy Spirit. Okay, last yeah, but... Yeah, but somebody else would do it better. When you hear God calling... How many of you go, oh, well, you know, yeah, I could do it, God, but surely somebody else would do it better than me. Moses, verse 13, it says, Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Send someone else. Here's uh, what I think Moses is probably thinking at this moment is this. He's like, maybe I used to have some skills that might have been useful in this. But I sure don't anymore. I've been out here in the desert for 40 years, I've lost touch with everything going on in Egypt these days. All I know how to do now is look after sheep. Surely there's someone else who's better suited, more qualified for this job. What are the things that run through your mind that disqualify you? When God points his finger, when Jesus comes calling, do you look around and see a bunch of people that all seem to be more qualified than you? do you see people who speak better English maybe do you see people who've got better who, who are better educated who who are more knowledgeable than you? do you see people who are better looking than you <laughs> You see people who are more spiritual than you, you know, who who are stronger, faster, better dressed, just seem, you know, like whatever it is that, you know, surely God, there's somebody more capable than me. But here's the thing, God sees all of that stuff and says, well, yeah, probably true, but here's the thing, I chose you. And just like Moses, what we need to remember is that it's not... God God doesn't particularly need our skills because He's the one who gives them out in the first place, isn't He? And He says, it doesn't matter if you're a nobody as long as I'm with you. Because if I'm with you, you can do it. And Moses is there and after all of these things and at the end of it all, he still says, God, please, somebody else must be more capable than me. Send somebody else and so... God gets a little frustrated at this point but he, he, he kind of says okay I'll send someone else but that doesn't mean you're off the hook. <laughs> he says I'll send Aaron, your brother, look he's coming out but you still have to go. Sending someone else, you know, he says well, me sending Aaron doesn't mean that you don't go, he just means I'm, I'm kind of doing this to make you feel better. And it kind of almost caused some problems for Moses later on but When Jesus comes calling, how do you respond? (laughs) When Jesus taps you on the shoulder, what are the things that run through your mind? Are there buts that run through your mind? Yeah, but. Did you recognise some of the excuses that Moses gave? Are they some ones that have kind of gone through your mind or been part of your conversations with God in the past? Some of them your go-to responses, some of them things that seem to come up again and again and again and you struggle to get past. The good news is that we're his children and he is a very patient and gracious, loving father towards us. That's good news, isn't it? He's full of grace and continually calls us and urges us and and seeks to draw us into what he's doing because he wants us to to get the blessing that comes from being part of what God's doing. And so he continues to call and draw us and challenge us to let go of some of those buts that go through our, our thinking, to change the way of thinking and surrender and submit to what He's wanting to do. When it's God's voice that is calling, and it is good to, to confirm and to know and understand, and, and God is gracious and He, he, he gives us uh, the Bible and He gives us um, people that in our lives that can encourage us and help us to discern the Word of God. But when it's God's voice, there's a couple of things that we need to do. We need to be confident in His power. Remembering that it's not your power or your abilities or your skills that matter, it's God's. You're just the clay pot, remember? Just the vessel that has the treasure inside. Be confident in His power. And just as God promised to Moses, God promises to us, um, in in the New Testament, God said, you know, signs and wonders will accompany those who believe. And when you go out and you preach the gospel, that God will back you up with power, with miracles, that he promises to be with you. He promises that as you begin to speak and as you make choices to follow and surrender and go where God calls you to go and say what God calls you to say, he says, I will be with you in that moment. He says, I'll guide you to the people that need to hear it and and I'll give you the words to speak and in the right moments, if you listen to my voice. He says, be confident in his power. It's his plan. He's the rescuer. He's the redeemer. It's not on your shoulders. And he says, be confident in his power and be comfortable with his plan. You know, so many times throughout... Uh, the scriptures we read stories about people who tried to change God's plan or tinker with God's plan or slightly make some adjustments to God's plan just to make it better because God didn't quite understand all of the details the first time. I don't know if you've ever thought about those kind of things. You know, Abraham's a classic example. You know, oh, God made me this promise that I was going to have a son, but. You know, maybe I just need to kind of make it happen here. Maybe I need to do this, maybe I do need to that. And he kind of tinkered with God's plan. Just like Moses. He kind of he knew that there was this deliverer and God hadn't given him all the details yet and so he kind of tried to do it his way. That kind of all backfired big time, didn't it? Trust in God's plan, trust in God's timing. Just like he was with Moses, God is patient and full of grace with us, but he expects us to obey. He expects us to follow. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have it all together. Maybe this morning you, you kind of, you've been in that place where you go, well, I've got to, I've got to sort, my, I've sort myself out. I've got to get myself together spiritually. I need to kind of grow up and, and get things going right, and then God might use me then I might be ready, then I might be able to do something for God but right now my my spiritual life's too much of a mess. We don't have to be perfect, we just have to be obedient. We just have to follow. We just need to be willing. you bow your heads with me as we we pray, just as we're we're thinking on these things. Holy Spirit, we want you to speak to our hearts this morning. There are some challenges that you've been speaking and uh, in, into this place this morning, into our minds and into our hearts. God, will you help us to be honest with you this morning? Are there areas in your life this morning that God has been putting his finger on? Areas in your life where you've dug your heels in and declared, God, you're going to have to choose someone else because I am not doing that. The areas in your life where you've thought, no, I just can't. God wants to challenge you this morning in those areas. God wants you to surrender. God wants you to trust in His power, trust that He will make it work, that if He is in it, that it is his fight to fight and not yours. All you have to do is go where he tells you to go and say what he tells you to say. It is not up to you to determine the outcome. It is not up to you to determine what other people do with what you say, only to go where he tells you to go and say what he tells you to say. God, would you help us, each and every one of us, to surrender to you this morning, to trust in your power and your plan. God, would you help us to hear and recognize your voice as you speak to us? Would you help us to follow And obey where you lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.